0: Let me dive into uh, this discussion um, uh, with a little bit of a springboard on on where this sermon came from. Uh, I was driving down a a two lane road uh, the other day. uh, I had a, a left lane to choose from or a right lane to choose from, okay? So it was two lanes. And then there's two lanes coming in this direction. I'm trying to think of a road that's similar to that one, maybe um, uh, 2920, is, it, is that uh, or 2978, is, I don't know. But th- that's the road I was on, wh- one of those roads. And so I'm driving in, in this, I'm in the left lane, and it's about 330, so every school bus in America
1: <laughs>
0: is on the roads, all right? And every semi-truck, construction-related, is also on the roads because I found out they only work till 4. <laughs> but, so they're all going home, all right? Uh, no offense, okay? But, so there's just tons of traffic. I just picked the kids up from school. It's like 3.45, 4 o'clock. And I'm driving home. It is, this is yesterday, Okay. The traffic is so slow, I can go faster on a skateboard, (laughs) okay? So when it's that slow, I'm just like, man, just chill out, relax, otherwise you're going to be frustrated, the kids are going to get all worked up because you're worked up, just chill out, get home, everybody's happy. I'm driving, and I see this uh, black Charger. This is one of those muscle cars. And, and in another life, I'm going to have one of those cars, right? Does anyone have one of those cars? It's such a sweet car. I love it. So somebody has a car. Okay. All right, so I'm looking at this Charger in front of me, and um, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, that is a beast of a car. Like, I'm gonna have a car like that one day. It's just like, just all muscle, right? Just, you raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. When it, when you wake it up, it goes, right? It just, and so I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, man, it's a sweet, sweet, sweet car. The window is down of uh, the driver, okay? And so I come up, and and uh, I'm just curious who's driving the car. And it's this cool girl with a, a trucker hat pulled down in these shades, and I'm like, to boot, right? <laughs> like, just this muscle car, and and the girl, uh, and you all. So the person who raised their hand, if you couldn't see, is she in the, in the audience? That she's got a muscle car, so it's just cool. It's cool. It's his muscle car, whatever. I don't. know. So I'm just like, how cool. Like, it's just a total muscle car, and, and, a, and a chick is driving it. How cool, right? So she's got her arm hanging out, and she's got a, like this, this cool-looking tattoo. And I'm like, man, this girl's just got it going on. So she stops, rolls her window down, and I'm like, this ought to be interesting. <laughs> My son is in the front seat. My daughter's in the back seat. I roll the window down, and she goes, You really need to stop driving in the left lane. <laughs> and then <laughs> takes off. And so I'm gonna play dumb, right? Because my son is eight, my other daughter's nine. I don't know how much they know, right? They, they neither one of them drive. And so I'm gonna play dumb. Now, I was like, wow, I wonder what that meant. <laughs> and Luke, who's eight, said, I thought she was gonna say something nice. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, they they're clearly they're, they're on to it. So I'm sitting there and I'm fuming. I can feel my blood pressure just. Pump. I'm sitting here thinking cool things about her and her car. <laughs> my, my blood pressure is pumping. My head is turning red. She can't get anywhere because there's school buses and semi-trucks all over the road. So when she went, Woo! she went, Woo! and had to stop again. <laughs> so I end up behind her. And I'm ready to let her know about herself. <laughs> because clearly she thinks she's pretty cool. And my opinion of her that was cool is now not so cool. And I can't wait for the opportunity to get up behind her. And now here I am. And I'm, I'm doing this on my steering wheel. So she tries to pass the person in front of her. Now she's just a little bit ahead of me in the right lane. I'm in the left. All I got to do is just touch the gas a little bit more and just look out the window. And we can go ahead and continue this conversation that she started. (laughs) She started. Did you guys hear me say, she started? I'm just saying, hey, you started a conversation I didn't get a chance to respond, so I would like my opportunity to respond. So I pull up, put my finger on the window, and Luke, my son, he's eight, he goes, I'm sure the Holy Spirit was talking. I just couldn't hear him. <laughs> so <laughs> Luke looks at me, and I'm, 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 I'm so mad I'm sweating. Have you ever been that mad? And so I just thought to myself, this moment is going to pass. Just chill. So she speeds off. And I, I, I let the girl, I, I let the dog free. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. But I let her go. And I keep breathing. <sighs> because I see, she's still not getting anywhere. There's, there's, I tell you, there's buses. She's still, <laughs> she's not getting anywhere. She's right in front of me. I'm still seeing her. About an hour later, I calmed down. (laughs) And so now it's time to prepare a sermon for tonight. (laughs) So I'm titling my sermon tonight, Response Ability. Two words. What is our ability to respond? What is that? Now, I passed that test by the skin of my teeth and I thank God for Luke. Had Luke not been in the car, we would be talking about something different tonight. (laughs) We'd be talking about worship or something, right? But because Luke saved me, from doing and saying something stupid it gave me an opportunity to say what is my ability to respond to adverse situations that's your fill in if you're taking notes our ability to respond to adverse situations let me open up with a passage with Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 it's talking about Jesus starting his ministry. So he's 30 years old, he's been lying low for 30 years. Now a lot of people feel like he wasn't doing any miracles. I personally think he was doing miracles in the house with his mom, at least. It's not in the Bible. I just think he was. Uh, I think he was practicing a few things the reason why I say that is when it was time to turn water into wine it was his very first miracle Mary looked at Jesus and said we are out of wine Jesus looks back at Mary and says what does this have to do with me She is done looking at Jesus and she looks at the servants and says, Do whatever he tells you to do. (laughs) I think she's seen him do a few things behind closed doors. Uh, I got the fire. (laughs) Oh, you're cooking? Um, you've had a hard day. I got it. I don't know. I don't know. But her confidence came from somewhere. So, anyway, Jesus has been lying low. And now he's 30 years old, and he, he, he had just been baptized by John the Baptist. And the scriptures read after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. Man. And. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Everybody say, like a dove. Now emphasize that first word, like a dove. Was it a dove? No. It was like a dove. There are some things in heaven that when you try to describe them, it's like, uh, uh, what is that? I have never seen anything like that in my life. When well, you got to describe it, it was like uh, oh. a dove. Anyone ready to go to heaven? Come on. Like you just saw a glimpse of the Spirit of God, just a little glimpse, and you're like, oh, God. The dove? So anyway, so he comes out like a dove and settling on him. Goodness sakes, if Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you. Does anyone else need the Holy Spirit? And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. It's in the New Living Translation. And so, all of a sudden, that is the last verse of the chapter. You turn the page, you go to chapter 4, and it says, And then he was led into the wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. Now here we go. Jesus just had the moment of his life. So far here on earth. The Holy Spirit came down and landed on him. His father endorses him. And what happens next? All hell breaks loose for 40 days. What is his response ability let me here's the next point I'd like for you to write down Um, when communion stops combat begins Jesus comes out of the water. He has this communion moment, this awesome moment with God. It's over, and what does hell do? They come out with the vengeance. Can I just tell you this? When you pray and when you worship, just know behind the gate of tomorrow are the hounds of hell. You come in here and you worship your heart out, They are going to chase their heart out after you. They want to discourage and distract. Discourage and distract. There's a thought for you to think about. When you pray, you cause a disturbance in the force. I know that sounds like Star Wars terminology. But it's reality. When you pray, there is a disturbance in the force. You are, you are causing hell to become nervous because that is the only thing that threatens hell. Right. When, when, when an enemy has, when the enemy, when, when Satan has a grip on someone in your life or a part of your life... When you pray, it shakes his grip. When you get mad about what he's doing, he laughs. When you pray, it shakes his grip. See, some, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and he said, I, I get so frustrated because I'm praying and I'm not seeing anything happening. And so I can tell in his voice he's getting ready to quit praying because nothing's happening. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's your other option here? You're going to stop praying, and now what's your other option? You're going to live your life not praying, but being mad because God didn't do anything. Well, that doesn't loosen hell's grip. Oh, my goodness, now he's mad. (laughs) When you get mad, they laugh. I heard a comedian one time um, insult a movie star and the movie star said I am I do not think that's funny and I find it very insultive and they went and asked the comedian well what do you think about that and he goes I don't think that person realizes that when you say that you don't think it's funny it gets funnier to me (laughs) When, when when hell sees you get mad at God it becomes more enjoyable to him Are you with me? The only way to loosen the grip of hell is to pray. It it causes a disturbance in the force. There's a a scripture, I believe it's in Hebrews, um, where it, it talks about how it says it like this Are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve the heirs of salvation? Is that in Hebrews? Hebrews This guy's good right here. (laughs) You've been doing this a little while. Hebrews 1.14, if you'd like to write that down. Has anyone here heard Pastor Bettinger preach? Pastor Bettinger, would you stand up with your lovely wife, Cheryl? We love them so much. If you haven't met them, you need to. He has candy in his pocket. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you have candy or not, but it sounded good. But these angels, when you pray, it, there's a disturbance in the force because these angels are ministering spirits sent to you. And you know what? I, I, I never caught this in that scripture. I was, I was meditating it on the other day. And the scripture says this, are not all angels You know what that includes? That includes Michael, the the big boy. That includes Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. These angels are sent to serve you. When you pray, angels are dispatched. When you pray, the grip of hell is loosened. So here we go. When this happens, when you pray, when you have a a pursuit towards the Lord, hell begins to come towards you to rally you up. Now, what I didn't say in that story of that charger is I have been, I I I would like to think I, I always have a good prayer life, but Monday and Tuesday I had some an awesome time with God alone. Awesome! Do you think that that opportunity to lose my mind in the middle of the street and go crazy, do you think that was all by accident? Let me just tell you, any you build any spiritual momentum, hell begins to try to build momentum against you. And if you really start doing good, they increase the intensity. Um, Let me share this with you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It had nothing to do with the girl in the car. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. Do you hear me? Had nothing to do with the girl in the car. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, what is my ability to respond to this bait from hell? It's bait. Hell bait. Not jail bait, hell bait. Psalms 56, verse 9. Anytime you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every single time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. And so, when that battle begins to turn for you because you're praying, what do you think the other side of the enemy lines is doing? Oh, well, we might just take our toys and go home. Do you think that's what they're doing? Well, we yeah. Uh, might as well quit now. Let's let them. That spirit of depression. Let's just walk. Let's just go back to hell. Oh, watch this. The more saints pray, the angrier Satan gets. So, has anyone here got hell really ticked off right now? Well, or are there anyone here that says, hell is not noticing me right now because I haven't been praying a lot. The problem is, is that that kind of sounds good if you think about it like that. Hell is not noticing me right now. It's not bothering me right now because I really don't have a lot of spiritual momentum. I'm not praying. I'm not worshiping. That's good because I don't want your guys' attention. The problem is is that you have no Holy Spirit momentum. Now watch this. Uh, something for you to, to to think about. When when you're pursuing God and, 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 and all of a sudden things just one after another just seem to be happening. Watch this. Peter addresses it. He says this in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. It's one of my favorite verses because... When I talk with somebody who is struggling in a particular area of their life, sometimes there's a look of, of confusion on their face. Like, I just don't understand what's happening. I don't understand. I don't get it. I'm, and, and I feel like going, are you surprised? I, look at the person next to me and say, are you surprised? Are you surprised? Seriously, are you surprised?
1: Uh,
0: I've got a, a, a half sister. She's my full sister in my heart. I shouldn't even refer to her as half sister, but um, she's she's twenty one years old, and she's really started building a, some momentum spiritually. And all of a sudden, this jughead guy comes into her life spitting all kinds of game with his silver tongue and I'm just like this cat here needs to go on home and and he he comes into her life right when she's getting serious about God and I'm like, why is this happening? I'm like, wait a minute, wait, are you surprised? I'm in love. I'll punch you if you say it again. <laughs> I wish they would just. I, I, I wish. I wish the twenty-year-olds would just be be honest with themselves, and just say, "I know I'm not in love, but I'm in lust, yep. Yep. and I'm stuck." Uh-huh. Let's just be honest about it. How much time do I got? (laughs) I want to chase this rabbit so bad. (laughs) Just don't know if I'm going to catch it. Let me just say it real quick. Before you get married, hell tries to get you to be physical because it's a sin. But after you get married, it's a sin not to be physical, and so hell tries you to get you to not be physical. Good Amen. So before you get married, you can't keep your hands off of each other, and then after you get married, you don't even want to touch each other. I'm going to move on before I get in trouble. It's amazing to me how guys can be so creative with roses and petals and everything before they get married, and afterwards the only thing they think of is, "You want to go to the movies?" <laughs> but we're, all, we're everybody who's 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 married. We're all dumb to a twenty-year-old. Have you ever figured that out? We can talk like this because they're all in youth right now. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, "...for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. So our responsibility, how do we respond when the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, flesh and the pride of life come to us? Because every every single weapon that the enemy uses falls into one of those three categories. So just imagine this. If some guy comes up to you to fight you, he's either got a pistol, he's got a knife, or he's got nunchucks. Those are the only three weapons that he has. A pistol, a knife, and nunchucks. Pistol, knife, and nunchucks. If you know how to fight against a pistol, a knife, and a nunchuck, that guy can't beat you up. So you don't have to learn on how to fight against an Uzi or a tank. Just pistol, knife, and nunchucks. That's it. Same three every time. If... if The whole world sins tonight. It's either going to be the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. It's in the same three categories every single time. So when this comes to us, what is our ability to respond to that? Let's let's unpack it real quickly. The lust of the flesh, what does that mean exactly? It's physical pleasure. The physical pleasure is so desirable that it doesn't matter whether the Lord wants you to do it or not. The desire is so strong that that desire for that pleasure is greater than your desire to be pleasing to the Lord. Now, When I say the lust of the flesh, everybody thinks sex and porn. Well, you can add that to the list, but don't put your pen down. Overeating. Overdrinking. Demoralizing someone. Insulting someone. A life dominated by senses and feelings. A life dominated by feelings. This is the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The craving for everything we see. I got to have the dress, got to have the shoes. Do I want the blue shoes or the red shoes? White shoes, I'll take both. Got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. Got to have it, I'm not going to be happy without it. Got to have it. The pride of life is just pride in achievements and possessions. And this sneaks up on you. Because the more pride you have, the less pride you think you have. It's the only sin that the more you have, the less you think you have. Like, if if I'm a chain something or another, I know it. But it's the only one because the more you have the less you think you have Uh, these are the antidotes the pride of life by the way just to get a little bit more specific is when you want people to know about the good things that you've done and what you're good at i was in a meeting recently and um, somebody was talking about this great idea that they had and how awesome it's been working and i'm sitting in the meeting and i'm thinking that wasn't your idea idea. <laughs> that was my idea. And I'm going, are you serious right now? In fact, that's happened like three times this week. I'm like, I want credit for that. I came up with that. I don't get many good ideas and that was mine. <laughs> the one good idea I have, I don't get credit for it. Most of the great ideas in our church come from our team, our staff. They're just really, really creative. Well, I actually had uh, one that flew. It was my idea to get those hats and and no one bought them. (laughs) That was awkward. Maybe it was because they didn't know. Maybe you guys didn't get any hats because you didn't know we had hats, (laughs) right? They didn't know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Here's the antidote for the lust of the flesh. If you, if you find yourself... Um, the physical pleasure dominates you. The pleasure of telling someone off. The pleasure of overeating. The, 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 if, if it dominates you. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh the more spiritually engaged you get, the less you're controlled by the flesh. The more involved you get, the more passionate you get, the stronger you get in the spirit, the less weak you are in the flesh. And so, listen to me, this is very, very important. You want, and I want, our appetite for spiritual things to be great, and our appetite for fleshly things to be small. But that is a lot like saying, I want to have an appetite for grilled food, and I don't want to have an appetite for chocolate. Am I preaching good yet? Right? Because when you want to tell somebody off, that sounds like a lot of fun keeping your mouth shut that does not sound like fun this is godly this is not so much godly being angry and resentful and bitter that's easy and desirable but it's not godly chocolate grilled you want your appetite to change But you have to change your diet before your appetite will change. The more salads you eat, the more salads you want to eat. The less chocolate you eat, the less chocolate you want to eat. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you worship, the more you want to worship. The more you pursue God, the less you want to disappoint Him. The more you ignore them, the more you desire the fleshly things. One of them has to starve. That's the antidote. Walk in the Spirit. Number two, the antidote for the lust of the eye. Craving every single thing you see, desiring it. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. Speaking of Jesus... Made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Do you know what that tells me? If Jesus walked around today, he would not be walking around in Gucci. If Jesus was walking around today, he would not look like Swaggy Pete. He would not be. He would not. He would not bling bling and, and Rolls Royce and right. that would not be who he, how he would look. Amen. Amen. He made himself of no reputation. In other words, he just kind of, when you look at him and you look at everybody else, he just kind of blends in. And so when you want your stuff to kind of stick out, you have to ask yourself, Do you want to be like that or do you want to be like Jesus? Because you can't glorify him and glorify yourself at the same time. You just can't do it. You can't want to be seen and then want to point attention to Jesus at the same time. You're picking one or the other. Feels tight in here. All right, where am I out here? Where am I? <laughs> the antidote for the pride of life, and I'm ready for somebody to come play the keys because I'm all done. Galatians chapter 4, 6, verse 4. I was meditating on this one this week. This is a really great verse. Pay careful attention. Everyone say careful attention. Careful attention. To your own work. Let the person next to you say your own work your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else your your own work your own your own your own deal the minute you go you're drinking the poison the poison of comparison you look over here and you're doing better than them. You're drinking the poison because you're kind of like, man, you get prideful. You look over here and they're doing better oh, than you are. You drink it and now you, you start feeling depressed and down. So it doesn't matter. When you drink the poison, you either feel prideful or you feel depressed. Just focus on your own stuff, your own world, and then the Bible says you will get the satisfaction Like, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I always think I'm doing good until I look at someone else. And then I'm like, man, I'm not doing so good. I'm thinking of a guy right now. He prays. So I hear, and I I think I believe it, four hours a day. dude, smoking me. I thought I was doing good. Now I'm like, I might as well just quit altogether. Now I can't do four hours of anything. I wake up in the middle of the night to eat at three and a half hours. (laughs) Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. If you got anything out of that, God is here. (laughs) Oh, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Let me ask you, we had a fun time tonight, but if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? What does your ability to respond look like? Because He loves you and His arms are open towards you, how will you respond to His love and His kindness and His mercy? If tonight's the night where you get more serious about your relationship than ever before, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? That's it. Can we all just raise both hands right where we are? And let's just repeat this simple prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Come on, everybody. Say, I'm sorry for my sins. For my sin. Would you please forgive me, Lord? Forgive me. I want to please, please you. I love you. I, love you. I, need your mercy. I need your mercy. And I need your grace. I need your grace. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, amen.